my roommates and I recently, like, binge-watched Lord of the Rings, which is always awesome. But it got me thinking about other series that are, like, multi-movie, binge-watchable. And uh, I'm going to go to a throwback, the Rocky movies. I don't know. Honestly, there's parts of them for sure, like, that are bad. But, uh, like, the first Rocky movie, the first Rocky movie, it came out in the 70s, like, 1976. Like, I think my parents were, like, 12 years old at that point. You know, I wasn't even close to being born. But in the original Rocky movie, right, Rocky Balboa, he's kind of like a nobody boxer, and he gets the opportunity to fight Apollo Creed, world heavyweight champion, uh, future father of Michael B. Jordan's character in the Creed movies that are the more recent Rocky movies. Anyway, in Rocky One, there's this classic, iconic training montage scene where, like, he's running through rail yards, like, full sweatsuit, like, beanie on, like, training for this boxing match. He's, you know, he's hitting the speed bag. He's doing one-arm push-ups. And, like, this, the music, like, it's the song Gonna Fly Now. It's, like, the iconic Rocky song, like, da-da-da, da-da-da. And he's, you know, he's training. And, like, in two minutes, two minutes, Rocky goes from, like, nobody to, like, ripped and yoked. And he's, like, in shape, ready for this fight. And I saw a friend of mine on social media was talking about seeing that scene for the first time when he was a teenager. And his response was, I want to train like Rocky. And so he went into his bedroom and he started doing push-ups. And he like ran around the house a few times. And he went into the bathroom and he looked in the mirror. He flexed. He looked nothing like Rocky. So disappointing. Because you can't get ripped from like one day of working out, right? It takes consistent training, like meal prepping. You got to do it over this long period of time if you want to see gains. You got to work for it, right? It's obvious. So why do we try to do that with our faith? Tonight, we're wrapping up our series, How to Win at Middle School. And it's a message that I'm calling Winning in the Long Run. I want to examine what it takes to grow a strong faith, a faith that will carry you when you are 18 years old and 28 years old and 58 years old and 88 years old. I would argue when it comes to a life of following Jesus, a lot of us are trying to like Rocky montage our way into a vibrant, thriving faith. Maybe you went to winter retreat and summer camp last year. And you like made this vow with God where you're like, I'm never going back to that old way of life. Those sins are like in the past. If you know what the firewalk is, maybe you wrote down on your popsicle stick something and you threw it in the fire and then you came back from summer camp and you were like so amped to be following Jesus and put that sin behind you and you like did it for like a week, maybe two weeks. 
And then you were right back, right back where you were, right back doing the same things. And some of you, maybe you're still there, still doing those same things. But I also know that many of you desperately want to follow Jesus. You want to stay faithful. You want to conquer these sin patterns, these addictions. You're just stuck. So my my goal tonight as your pastor is to help you get unstuck. I want to give you a vision for what it could look like to still be following Jesus when you are 88. So if you remember one thing from tonight, I want it. I want it to be this. Winning at middle school requires a long obedience in the same direction. Winning at middle school is going to require a long obedience in the same direction. We're looking at Daniel chapter 6 tonight. So get a Bible in front of you and meet me there. It's okay if it's your phone. Just only be on the Bible app. If you need a physical copy of the Bible, we have so many on the shelves at the front door. Go snag one, get it in front of you. As always, I'll have it up on the screen. But Daniel chapter 6 contains, like I would say, the most well-known Bible story of all time. Like, like look at, look at the, hit, the heading in your Bible, right? Daniel in the lion's den. Like, show of hands, how many people know what happens to Daniel in the lion's den, like, without even looking at it in your Bible, right? Like, a lot of us have heard that story. There's people who don't even go to church who know all the details of that story, right? Daniel, he's put into this position of power, basically the second most powerful person in the kingdom. And then some other politicians, they get jealous and they try to get Daniel removed. And so they, they trick King Darius into signing a law that says for a month, if anybody worships any god, any person other than you, King Darius, throw them to the lions. And King Darius, he, he, signs, he signs that law because Daniel's rivals, they know that Daniel prays to God and, and they're trying to catch Daniel in the act. And when they do, Darius has no choice but to throw Daniel to the lions. However, just like God intervened in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace, an angel shows up in this den of lions and it shuts the mouths of the lions so they cannot eat Daniel. And in the morning, Daniel is brought out unharmed and King Darius like praises God because of Daniel's faith. But I don't think... I don't think the point of that text is the lions. I want to draw our attention to some other aspects that are going on inside the text. So Daniel chapter 6, go ahead, get it in front of you. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Here's what my Bible says. 
says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We're all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, Majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. All right. What does God have to say to you about how to win in the long run? I think the first thing, and this is my first point tonight for you note takers, is that obedience is the key. Obedience is the key. So that phrase, a long obedience in the same direction, it's actually the title of a book written by late pastor Eugene Peterson. Uh, he's probably actually best known for writing a paraphrase of the Bible called the message version. And many of you have probably read it or are familiar with it. And he, he died like a few years ago, back in 2018, uh, a month before his 86th birthday. And, and for me, he's really like this model of what it looks like to like faithfully follow Jesus for a really, really long time. I mean, his book, it, it came out in, in 1980, way before things like social media and Netflix and streaming services, but, but he writes in almost like a, a prophetic way about the pace and the speed of our lives and, and why it's so hard to obey God. You know, we live in this age of instant gratification, microwave meal prep, Netflix binges, 
social media, doom scrolling, TikTok, IG reel, YouTube short content consumption. Everything in our lives is like this quick hit of dopamine and then on to the next. But following Jesus, following Jesus requires like a patient endurance, a perseverance over a long period of time, over, over our whole lives. This is where Daniel becomes a model for us, a model of endurance and perseverance, a model of a long obedience in the same direction. In chapter six, Daniel, he's, he's in his late 80s now. I mean, this dude is old. He's been in exile for 70 years. And, 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 and all of that time, he's been doing the same thing, following God, faithfully obeying God. Like, look at the very last verse of chapter 6, verse 28. It says, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of of Cyrus the Persian. This is the summary statement of Daniel's entire life. He has now lived through the reign of five different kings, Nebuchadnezzar II, Nebuchadnezzar III, Belshazzar, Darius, and then Cyrus. He's lived through two different empires, the Babylonians and now the Persians. And he's still doing what he has always done. Obey God, follow God. You know it wouldn't be a Danny sermon if I didn't quote C.S. Lewis. So here's what C.S. Lewis has to say about obedience. C.S. Lewis says that obedience is the key to all doors. Feelings come or don't come and go as God pleases. In another work, C.S. Lewis writes, obedience is the road to freedom. Obedience is the key to winning in the long run. Obedience is the key to winning at middle school. I would argue that that's why we want the Rocky training montage kind of version of faith because it fits the speed of our culture. It fits the speed of Babylon. But that's not how God operates. We're exiles. This world is not our home. We are not native. That's why we find it so hard to obey God. Because it's slower than what we want. You know, I think a lot of times we just want our faith to feel right. We want it to feel good. We want worship songs, right, that bring us to our knees and bring tears to our eyes. We want to kind of microwave following Jesus into like this quick and easy dopamine hit on a Wednesday night or a weekend retreat so we can just keep on scrolling to the next thing. But if you live your life in the spirit of God that way, you will not be following Jesus when you're 28, 58, or 88. 
If you live your life in the spirit of God that way, you're going to stay stuck. I said it earlier, following Jesus requires patient endurance and perseverance. These are the characteristics that are only formed over time. And some of our New Testament authors, they speak really powerfully to these things. Like Paul, greatest missionary that the world has ever seen. In Romans chapter 5, this is what he says about endurance. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Or James, the brother of Jesus. This is what he writes in chapter 1. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Their insight is that the longer you live... The more trials you face, the more tests of faith that you go through, they can either break you or these can produce endurance, perseverance, the necessary ingredient to a long obedience in the same direction. Daniel, he faced trial after trial in Babylon and it didn't break him. It produced endurance the key to winning in the long run. So, if you're a note taker and you're still following along, I want to double dip on my second point here tonight because there's two things that I think are sort of intertwined, like characteristics that result from Daniel's obedience to God. And they're things that I think that you can cultivate in your own life to get unstuck and to start winning in middle school. So my second point tonight is that integrity among people because of intimacy with God, right? Integrity among people because of intimacy with God. If you wanna win in the long run, if you still wanna be following Jesus when you're in your 80s, obedience to God is linked to your intimacy with God. Obedience to God is linked to your intimacy with God. And the result is that people take notice. People see that. They see you. Intimacy with God means a relational closeness. It's when you know God on a deep level because you have spent so much time with him. If you want to obey God, like seems like the perfect place to start would be knowing what he wants you to do, right? We know God's will through the scriptures and through prayer. Look, look at the example that Daniel sets for us, right? Verse 10. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in the upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had, giving thanks to God. As usual. 
just as he had always done. Intimacy with God, that close relationship with God, that was the norm for Daniel. He prayed often. He knew God's voice. He knew how God wanted him to move in exile. His prayer times were so regular that even his enemies knew when they could catch him. His relationship with God was so close that even under the threat of death, Daniel would not stop praying. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. It says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Obedience and intimacy, they were linked for Daniel and it led to this reputation of integrity among people, even his enemies. They, they went searching for, for any way they could to accuse Daniel of some kind of wrongdoing, but they literally couldn't find anything. Obviously, we know Daniel wasn't perfect. He was a sinner just like you and me, but, but when people tried to go like find some skeletons in that dude's closet, like there weren't any. There weren't any because, because his life had been marked by obedience to God for a really, really long time. And the result, the result was a life of faithfulness, responsibility, trustworthiness. Here's, here's why I want to draw those connections a lack of intimacy with God and a lack of integrity among people are barriers to you winning in the long run. Winning requires a long obedience in the same direction and intimacy and integrity is how you are going to get there. I, I held up Eugene Peterson as an example because, because that dude followed Jesus for so long like, like, I want to be like him when I'm 85 years old. And he displayed this, like, deep intimacy with God and this, this incredible integrity among people, like, right up until the day that he died. And I have heard story after story in the last few years about church leaders, pastors, who have fallen because of some scandal or, or after they're dead, like some sins that they were hiding, like egregious, awful things came to light and it, and it throws into question like their whole ministry. And I, I would bet all my money that they lacked that integrity because somewhere down the line, their intimacy with God broke down. They stopped loving Jesus. They stopped spending time with Jesus. So if you want to win at middle school, if you want to win in the long run, cultivate a life of integrity through a life of intimacy with God. Here, here's some ways. Here's some ways that you can start to begin to cultivate that intimate relationship with God, that relational closeness between you and the Lord. Get in the word every single day. 
you want to make reading God's word a habit in your life, here's what you need. You need a time, you need a place, and you need a plan. Okay? Time, pick a time that's the same time every single day. I suggest in the morning right after you wake up. Like no Bible, no breakfast, I've heard a pastor say. Pick a place. Pick a place that's where you go to read God's word. And I would suggest not your bed because you'll just be tempted to fall asleep. And have a plan. Like know what you're going to read before you get there. Don't just open to a random page. Like there, there's plenty of Bible reading plans in the Bible app. I have a Bible reading plan that I put together for the seniors and foundations. Like I can give you that. Like time, place, plan, get in the word every single day. Number two, make worship a rhythm in your life. Make worship a daily rhythm. Like worship is, is a lifestyle. It's way more than just singing a couple of songs on a Wednesday night. Like prayer is worship. Tell God how amazing he is. Confess your sins to him. Talk to him and ask him for wisdom and for guidance. Like, like ask him to move in power to change situations in your life. Ask him to save your friends who are far away from him. Like, like make that a rhythm in your life. Number three, stay in community. Like often God's wisdom is going to come from God's people. So be here on Wednesday nights. Be in your small group on Sunday mornings. Be in community. And community is more than just your friends too. Like find some older, wiser people who can pour into your life. That's why I have small group leaders who are just a little bit ahead of you in this whole thing called life, because they have just enough wisdom more than you do to pour back in, to show you the road. Stay in community. Number four, serve somewhere. Go serve somewhere. Like, go serve moms by holding babies in the nursery on a Sunday morning. Serve, like, serve families who have kids that have special needs by coming to a Barnabas respite. And, and hanging out with, with some of the special needs kids here at our church to give those families a night off. Like whatever it is, find a place where you can serve. And you will cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus. Number five, be bold and share the gospel. Inviting others into a relationship with Jesus, that requires boldness but it cultivates a dependence on God unlike any other. So who in your circle can you start praying for? Can you start caring for? And who you can look for opportunities to share the gospel with? So as I close tonight, I just want to remind you. I just want to remind you that obedience is the key to winning in the long run. Intimacy with God leads to integrity among people. And winning at middle school requires this long obedience in the same direction. Keep going. Keep going. You know, Daniel, he's a really great role model for us. But I read in my studying this week that Daniel's success was not the result of his faithfulness to God, but God's faithfulness to him. Daniel was not perfect. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't perfect. 
They're just modeling what it looks like to follow God in exile. And friends, we are living in exile. But here is the good news for you tonight. Jesus is the greater Daniel. Jesus is the greater Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You and me, we're so quick to to eat the food off the king's table, to to bow down to idols, to, to allow pride to rip us away from God. We're so quick to do anything other than obey what God wants for us, but not Jesus. Jesus is the perfect image of faithfulness to God. He passed every single test without wavering. He perfectly followed the will of God all the way to death. A death on a cross, that means life for you and for me. It's no longer about how well you follow God. It's not up to you being perfectly obedient all of the time. The perfect obedience of Jesus counts for you. It counts for you if you will place your full trust in him. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he has already done. So do not wait. Do not hesitate. Don't let anything stand in the way of you trusting in Jesus. He will help you win at middle school.